right, hello and welcome back. And everybody I see, I'm still saying Happy New Year. So uh, Happy New Year to you all and Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday and Happy Anniversary. You know, whatever, whatever's appropriate for you from the last six or seven weeks, you just take. And uh, I get Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday and Happy New Year. In that order, actually, is what I get. I managed to sneak a birthday in there. Um, which is fine now, but as a kid I didn't like that, by the way. That's really, really awkward. But isn't it good to have a break? And isn't it good to be back from that break? Yep, maybe. You know, the pattern and cycle of work and rest were actually God's design right from the beginning of time, right? So, so it's right to take a break, and it's right to get back into the routine of things as well. Both are the design of God. Both things have God's blessing, who, though, thinks that the break often feels like it's got more of God's blessing than the routine? <laughs> yeah. Actually, Joe and I have been blessed enough to have a few different uh, moments where we got to break away from routine the last couple of months. We were away for a week or so at the beginning of December uh, when we took the kids on a holiday that had been delayed by two years because of COVID. And during that time, we got to help a couple of us overcome our fear of roller coasters, which was really, really good. If you've heard our story from the last time we took our kids on roller coaster, you'll know what that's all about. But uh, riding the tallest and fastest roller coaster in the southern hemisphere five or six times will help you overcome your fear <laughs> of roller coasters. Or firmly entrench them. I'm not sure which, but I think for us, we mostly got over it. Although I have to admit, I have to admit, even though we rode those things multiple times, even the big ones, and, and we had an absolute blast. I mean, I really do love the sensation and the speed and the drops and the loops and the barrel rolls and the sensation of hurtling upside down at 110k per hour is pretty exhilarating. But even though I loved all of that, and even though I did it multiple times, right up to the very last time we rode one of the big ones, every time we were being winched up that ridiculously long and steep incline, I couldn't help but pray. Every single time, I was like, Lord Jesus, I know that I have willingly put myself in this situation, but if you wouldn't mind making sure I get out of this situation, I'd really greatly appreciate that. That was on the big ones. On the little ones, I was fine. In fact, I even managed to get everybody on one of the kids' roller coasters to do a slow clap as we were going up. Yeah, it was, that was pretty good. And then we went to the big one, and I was like, no, I'm just keeping my hands right here. I'm not getting smart with this one. I'm not picking a fight with the big one. I'm going to give this roller coaster the respect it deserves. So we had a wonderful time. We got to see a lot of other wonderful things as well. It was really, really great. And we got back in just in time for Christmas in the Lane to be rained off, uh, which was very disappointing. Um, I had even been practicing some of the songs on the flight home. I had my headphones in, and I was making the chord shapes on my food tray. So... Um, you know, the tray table, just playing nothing. And, and then we got back and it's like, oh, it's raining, okay. And then we had Christmas and New Year's and we headed up to our annual camping spot uh, in beautiful Golden Bay for a couple of weeks in January, as did a number of you, which is really, really cool. So we're really, really incredibly thankful for all of those moments that we've been able to have as a family out of routine and now it's time to get back into rhythm and back into routine, back into work and school and university and whatever else God has in store for us in 2023. And while I was walking on the beach one day in Golden Bay, I was reflecting, it was towards the end of the holiday, and I was kind of asking God, well, how do I get back into things now that I've had this break and this rhythm change? What, how do I get my brain 
back into gear? What is the right way to start the year? Is there a model, God, that you've given us so that we can actually launch into a new year the way that you would want us to? And as I was walking, I felt God impress upon me something that I didn't expect. I started thinking about and really remembering the Lord's Prayer. I thought, that's interesting. That's not really what I had in mind. But as I started going through it, I realized that there are patterns in this beautiful passage of Scripture that we know very well that absolutely help us get our year started in a way that honors God and sets us in the right direction. So if it's not too late to bring a New Year's message on the 29th of January, I would love to share some of those thoughts with you this morning. So we find this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. And Jesus is speaking. He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as I say, for many people in this room, not everyone, but for many, those would be very familiar words, I'm sure. And in this passage in the book of Matthew, and also in another passage that's uh, almost the same in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is teaching the disciples and any other people around him a pattern for prayer, a model for prayer. It's not a list of exact words and phrases that we have to use, but it's a pattern for the type of prayers that we should be praying. Jesus says this then is how you should pray, not what you should pray. But there are a number of different statements and declarations and petitions and requests throughout this prayer. But while I was walking on the beach that morning, it was actually only the first three elements of the prayer that really struck me. Not even the first whole sentence, just the first three ideas contained in just the first eight words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just those eight words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think in those, very, those three very short statements, Jesus establishes something that is not only important for how we start our prayers, but gives us a pattern that we can follow for how we start a new year. In very quick succession, these three statements proclaim three things. They proclaim a right relationship with God, our Father. They declare the sovereign position of God in heaven, and they give him the praise and worship that is rightfully due, hallowed be your name. This is the model Jesus gives the disciple. He doesn't just give them uh, this model when he tells them, by the way. He doesn't just teach this. He actually uses this pattern. We actually see in a couple of passages in Matthew 11 and Luke 10, 21, Jesus begins his prayer with those same three elements. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Luke 10, 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, those three ideas, and then carries on because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. So I want to break down those three very quick, very short thoughts, those eight words. That's what we're going to have a look at today. Our Father. So the first thing it does is it declares a right relationship. You know, Jesus referring to God as Father was somewhat radical in the time. Not in this specific passage, but in general. In the Old Testament, when we, we read all the passages and the prayers and when, when all, the, all the stories, when they talk about God, God is not referred to very often as Father. 
It comes up every now and then. It, it talks about God being a father to the fatherless. It refers a couple of times to God being our father and creator. But for the most part in the Old Testament, the titles and the names that were used for God were ones that described his sovereignty, his lordship, his glory, his grace. Uh, names like the Lord or the Lord of hosts or the Lord of lords. Names like the one true God or God who provides or God who heals, or the Most High. So all of these titles and names that are revealed to us throughout the Old Testament, each one of them give us just a slightly better picture of who God is and the nature and characteristics of God. But in the Old Testament, those names were much more reflective of his power, his sovereignty, and his authority. Then Jesus came, and he started teaching people about Father God, about the relationship we have we are to have with him. And not just Father, it wasn't just a, a sort of a formal title, but Abba, which is an intimate, personal way of saying Dad or Papa. You know, nowhere in Scripture does it record anyone using Abba in reference to God before Jesus started teaching in this way. And right throughout the Gospels, over and over again, Jesus talks about my Father or your Father, or as this passage does at the beginning of this prayer, our Father. Jesus spent a lot of time teaching about the nature of the relationship we are able to have, not just with a sovereign God, not just with an authoritative God, not just with a transcendent God, but a loving, caring Father God. In Luke 6.35, Jesus tells us to be merciful just as our Father is merciful. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says that if we as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children, then how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In Luke 12, Jesus is teaching the people not to worry about what they will wear or what they will eat or what they will drink, for the Father knows that they need these things. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us that the Father knows what we need even before we ask him. And in Matthew 19, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who come to him as little children. This is all really radical stuff at the, at the time for the people he was teaching. Jesus is bringing this new perspective, this new relationship, this new understanding of God. And in this passage, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he is telling us that when we pray, we should first declare our right relationship with Father God. Too often I think we can forget what an incredible privilege it is and what a delight it is to be able to call God our Father. So the people of Jesus' time, it, they couldn't forget it because it was such a shock. It was such a contrast. It was so radical. They couldn't help but be confronted by this idea of referring to Father God. For some, it was an outrage. It was offensive. How dare you refer to God Most High as Abba, as Father. But then to others, to the ones who were close to Jesus, the ones who followed him as disciples, it brought grace, it brought freedom, it brought a whole new understanding of the loving nature of Father God and how they could have relationship with him. And if you've given your life to Jesus, if you are a follower of him, then because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the reconciliation brought through the cross, we are also adopted into sonship, we have become children of God. 
New Testament tells us this in a few places. 1 John 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And in Romans 8, 14 and 15, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. By Him we cry, Abba. Through Jesus we can pray, our Father, we can say, Abba, Father, just as Jesus did because of what he has done for us. You know, anyone can call me Dave, right? Anyone can call me David or Mr. Bennett's or any number of other names that people might feel inclined to call me at times, but only my kids can call me Dad. And when they call me Dad, it proclaims a relationship, a familiarity, a closeness that we have together because they are my children and I am their father. And that's what Jesus has made possible. As we begin 2023, I really believe we need to be reminded of the right relationship we can have with Father God because of what Jesus has done for us. We can declare at the beginning of this year, our Father. And then the next two words, He finishes this thought. Actually, he goes, our Father in heaven. And in heaven is declaring his rightful rank or position. Our Father in heaven. It's actually a phrase that Jesus uses quite a number of times. About 20 times it's recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in heaven isn't just a statement about the location of God, right? It's not about his geographical position. It's not meant to create a physical distance between us and God. It's about his authoritative position. He's not an earthly father. Or even more so for the people of the time, he's, he's not Father Abraham, as a number of the Jewish people would have looked to as their common ancestor. He is our father in heaven. And that's what's so interesting about the way Jesus starts this prayer. As much as our father is a declaration of this new relationship, he's bringing a new intimacy with God, Jesus is also reminding them and us that God is, in fact, still sovereign. He is still transcendent. He is still the Most High. He's still the Lord of Lords. He is still the one true God. All the names and titles from the Old Testament haven't been replaced by Father God. They've been added to. It's a new revelation. It's an additional idea that he is bringing to us and to the people. And in this pattern for prayer that Jesus has given us, within the first four words, we are declaring our right relationship with God, our Father. We are his children. We can come to him knowing that he loves us, that he is merciful, that he cares for us, that he knows our needs even before we ask. But we're also declaring in heaven his rightful position, his rightful rank, our Father in heaven. He is sovereign. He is creator. He is king. He is Lord He is ruler over all of the universe, but we are able to approach him as Abba, Father. He's not one or the other, he's both. And I felt as I was walking that day, the Spirit is prompting me that these two statements are a great great way to realign our hearts and minds with God as we begin 2023. That we are to delight 
in the beauty and the privilege of being able to address God as Father, the only perfect Father, the only Father who will never abandon us, the only Father who will never orphan us, the only Father who will be with us forever and ever. What an honor, what an incredible thing that we can have that freedom, that liberty to be so personal and intimate with God. But we're also reminded that we are to stand in awe of our Father in heaven, the Most High, the Sovereign King, the Lord of the Lords, the one who created and rules over and sustains all life for all of eternity. That's how we can start our year, declare our right relationship with God, our Father. And we start our year by declaring his rightful rank, his rightful position in heaven. And then the third statement, the next four words of the, of the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is this, hallowed be your name. And that statement is declaring our right response. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is an interesting word, isn't it? It's not a word that comes up in conversation very often. You know, how was your weekend? It was really hallowed. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you know, it's an older word. It was actually much more common usage in the mid-1800s than it is today. Um, we don't come across it. Actually, I saw a video recently of a kid who had misunderstood the Lord's Prayer and thought it was telling us that God's name was Howard. Our Father in heaven, Howard, Howard be your name. Yeah, so they thought it was Howard. But hallowed, hallowed is a word we don't come across very often, but it's the verb form of holy. It means to make holy or to make sacred. But in this instance, the phrase doesn't mean that we are praying that God's name would become holy. Instead, it's saying that your name, God, is already holy. Your name, your very being, who you are, God, is already holy. It's already sacred. So in response, we will treat your name as holy. In response to the holiness of your name, we will give you the praise, worship, and reverence that you deserve. So hallowed be your name as we declare his name holy because his name is holy, because he is holy. We're not adding holiness to the name of God when we proclaim that. Hallowed be your name is just our right response to give him what is already rightfully his. Because he is our Father in heaven, we've already proclaimed that, our Father in heaven, because of that, because his name is holy, we will respond with praise and worship. We will declare holiness over his name. We will declare his sovereignty because he is sovereign. It is right that we give him praise and worship in response to who he is. Back in Psalms uh, 29, verses 1 and 2, it, it, it's the same idea, it puts it this way. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Because here's another interesting word, isn't it? Ascribe. We don't use that word very often, but it means to attribute or credit someone or something with a quality, or to recognize ownership of that quality or of a particular thing, to ascribe something to someone. So to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength means that glory and strength are qualities that the Lord possesses, and we are acknowledging and praising him for those attributes. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, his name his very being is inherently due glory. So we are to give him that glory that he is due because of who he is. 
And that's what hallowed be your name is saying. You are holy, God, so we will ascribe to you your holiness. We will give you the praise and worship you deserve because of your name, because of who you are. Uh, Many of you will know that I was a high school music teacher for a number of years. In fact, some of you know that because I taught you music in high school, so that's easy. But over the years, I taught for 12 years, and I taught right from 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds, and and, uh, there were a number of times where I tested or assessed pupils on their work, whether it was performance or composition or theory or listening or musical knowledge. There were thousands of times when I had to give a pupil a mark based on the work they had done. And there were some funny answers over the years. I think one that I recalled, it was just young kids, and it was 1960s rock and roll, and you know, name, names, or 1950s maybe, name, name a performer, and they, they, they were looking for Chuck Berry. They said Chunk Bailey, which was close, but <laughs> Chunk. I don't know how many people they know called Chunk. Um, it was close. But I had to mark their work. Now, contrary to what some pupils think about their teachers, I didn't just give out marks and grades based on the name of the pupil that I was marking. I didn't sit there and go, ah, yes, Andy, what a good boy. I think you deserve an excellence. Or Johnny, well, based on that attitude, you can have it not achieved. (laughs) Rebecca, I haven't met you yet, but I've heard good things, so I'll give you a merit. You know, I couldn't give grades based on someone's name or reputation. I had to look at the work they had actually submitted and give credit and give marks for the work that had been done. Or in sports, in basketball, in in the NBA, the refs don't walk on the court and go, right, let's see, LeBron James. Okay, you've averaged 27.7 rebounds and seven assists per game for your career. Let's just pop that down in the box score, shall we? And then everybody can go home. Oh, look, you guys won. Well done. No, they have to wait until the players have actually done the work before they can give them the points, score the points. But this verse, ascribe to the Lord and hallowed be your name, these phrases are actually saying the opposite. They're actually telling us we're not waiting for God to do something before we give him credit. We're not waiting for another miracle to give him praise. We're not waiting for God to provide again before we can give him thanks. No, it's saying he is holy, so we will declare his holiness. He is worthy, so we will declare his worthiness. He is glorious, so we will proclaim his glory. And that's how this prayer starts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that is our right response. This is the pattern that Jesus has given us in prayer. We start by declaring our Father, reminding us of our right relationship in heaven, reminding us of his rightful rank, his position, his sovereignty, his authority. Hallowed be your name, reminding us of our right response, that he is worthy of our praise, of our worship. He's worthy of all glory, all honor, all power, all majesty and strength because of who he is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Team, do you want to come up and join me as I just finish off with? I really believe that God is inviting us to start our year the same way he has taught us to pray. That as we get into the rhythms and routines and patterns of the year, as well as all the surprises and unexpected things that 2023 will bring across our path, 
we have an opportunity now to realign our hearts and minds with God's purposes and plans by declaring these three very simple but very powerful statements, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, for some of us, I think we desperately need that reminder of the Father heart of God towards us, that he wants to be close to us, that he is merciful, that he has good gifts for us, he has good gifts for you, that we can delight in his presence, that through Jesus we are able to be called children of God. And we need to declare over 2023 our right relationship with him, he is our father. For some of us, we need to be reminded of the power and sovereignty of God. We need to be reminded of the awe we feel when we are aware of his authority and his lordship over us and over the universe, that he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. There is no one like our God, no one and nothing can compare to him, and we need to declare over 2023 his rightful rank and position, our Father in heaven. And for some of us, we need to be reminded at the beginning of this year that he is worthy of our worship at all times and in all circumstances. His name is holy, so we will proclaim his holiness. He is worthy, so we will proclaim his worthiness. We're not going to wait for him to do something, to prove himself, to show again his worthiness. We know he's worthy, so we will worship in response. And we need to declare over 2023 that right response to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you stand with us if you're able? I'd like to pray and then we're going to worship together. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for those words. We thank you that you have given us a pattern, a model that that expresses your heart for how we can relate to you and to God the Father. It expresses your heart for how we are to understand that God is mighty, God is sovereign, God is over all, and that we're able to understand your heart for us to respond in the right way, that you are worthy, Lord, of worship. You are worthy, Father God, of all praise. You're worthy of all honor and majesty. Holy is your name. And because your name is holy, we will say your name is holy. You are worthy of all praise and all honor. And so this morning, Lord, we lift up our hearts again. And I pray over each one here. I pray for anyone here that really needs that reminder that we are able to say, Abba, Father. Father God. In fact, I just invite you, just take a moment, if you want to, just say that quietly if you like. Just say, Father God. Just allow those words in that simple thought, that prayer, opening of a prayer, just let that minister to your spirit. Let that minister to you in terms of What does that mean for you that you are able to approach Father God? Abba, Father. Praise you, Father. And Lord, even as we were reminded of that, remind us again of your sovereignty. 
of your power, of your authority, that you are the Lord Most High. You are the one true God. But you are also Father. You are over the universe, and we are your children. Thank you, God, that both of those things are true. Thank you that that means we can trust you with everything. We can trust you with our eternities. We can trust you with our today. Because we know that you care about what we need, but we know that you also hold the universe in your hands and that everything that happens is still under your sovereign power, Lord God. Our Father in heaven, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you again to remind us of that need to say, hallowed be your name. In everything, through everything, at all times, in all circumstances, Lord, you are still worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. There is nothing that can happen in the year 2023 that will change the fact that you are worthy of praise. So, Lord, we proclaim that at the beginning of our year. Hallowed be your name. God, that you would realign our hearts, our thoughts, our plans and purposes so that we are putting you at the center of it all, that we are putting your plans and purposes ahead of our own. God, that we want to follow wherever you would lead us. We want to hear your word and obey it, Lord God. Hallowed be your name. You are worthy of following. You are worthy of obeying. You're worthy of praise. We offer all of that again to you afresh this morning, Lord God. Praise you. Praise you. Amen.